0: Welcome to the Alpha Girl Confidence Podcast, where we are empowering youth female athletes to play and live confidently. My name is Shay Hatto, and each week I will bring you new episodes to teach you the strategies and tools that you need in order to live a confident, empowered life, both on and off the playing field. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Alpha Girl Confidence Podcast. We've got a super special episode for you today where I sat down with Michaela Moore, who is a pro footballer for Glasgow City FC and on the New Zealand football ferns. So this is an exciting episode because they are gearing up for the World Cup in just a couple months. But in this episode, we dove deep into her youth career, her pro career, all of the challenges that she's faced from her Achilles tear and how she recovered from that. Right before the 2019 World Cup, we talked a lot about the importance of finding a supportive community through the ups and the downs of life and just how important adversity is to life and how you can take any terrible, terrible moment or experience and turn it into something that can make you a lot better, stronger person and athlete. So if you're a parent, coach, athlete listening, I know you're going to love this episode This is by far one of the favorite episodes and interviews that I've ever done on the show, and I know you're going to get so much value out of it. So I hope you enjoy the episode and get excited to cheer on the football ferns heading into the World Cup uh, just in a couple months in July. So super excited for you to listen to the episode. If you enjoy it, let us know. Make sure you follow Michaela and her journey um, after you're done watching the episode, and I hope you enjoy. What's up Michaela? Welcome to the Alpha Girl Confidence Podcast. So excited to finally have you on. I know we we uh planned it what was it last September mm-hmm. to have you on and then I ended up, you know, being like, "Sorry, I'm taking a break." So you were you were going to be the last person back on and you know, with your schedule it was hard to to get you back on here, but I'm excited to finally have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So let's dive in first. Um I know a lot of people kind of already know who you are and a little bit about your background, but I'd love to kind of start with your youth playing days um, and kind of how you got to achieving your lifelong dream of you know being a professional footballer and playing for the Ferns.
1: Yeah, I obviously am from NZ. I started playing there when I was probably age four, I think, Um, yeah, played in a boys team up until the age of 12. And then I went to my first all girls team, um, played in Christchurch till I finished high school and then moved up north to Auckland cause that's just where kind of the hub of football is. Um, I was up there several years before I kind of outgrew that program and was kind of in the Ferns environment, um, for a few years and it was time for me to head overseas yeah. and yeah, went on a trial for a few teams in Germany and ended up signing for one. Um, and that's kind of where my pro journey began, um, at a nice. club called Cologne in yeah, the Northwest of Germany.
0: What was it like? Um, so you said you were 17 when you traveled over overseas? Uh,
1: no, I was 17 when I first joined the Ferns or was in, in, oh, okay. yeah. In the Ferns environment. I moved when I was, I just turned 21. 21. So kind of at the later okay. end of it, but yeah, that what was when was I first it like- went pro. Yeah,
0: what was it like moving overseas? I mean, had you ever been like overseas for an extended period of time?
1: Not for an extended period of time. So obviously I was fortunate to travel with the Ferns when we we go overseas and largely we play a lot of games in, in Europe and Asia. So I had traveled a lot with them, but I'd never left home for an extended period of time. And anybody that knows me knows I'm a very big homebody, very family orientated so that adjustment in itself was pretty tough initially um yeah i knew a a kiwi in cologne like she played there amber hearn so that kind of was massive for me because she also spoke german and kind of helped me integrate into the squad but i lived alone um, in a flat uh, be that it was a german family who pretty much are my second family now um but yeah that adjustment initially was massive It took a lot um for me personally
0: what was what was kind of the the most difficult thing for you you know being away from your family and stuff
1: yeah i think just the simple fact of being away from them like you just alluded to it's you we are lucky to have facetime now and things like that but the time difference is also extremely difficult my parents or family would be waking up and i'd be going to bed um because there's like pretty much a 12 hour time difference most of the year so that was pretty challenging like having to live my days and try to figure out things for myself i mean i had done that in auckland for years as well i lived um with other of the flatmates and not my family but yeah i think that big step moving across the globe was Something you can never prepare for, but obviously, like, I'm really good at it now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I hardly ever go home. So, yeah, it was an adjustment, but one that I think I knew I had to make when I was was younger. Yeah. Like, I knew I had to go overseas. That was kind of the path that Play New Zealand had to do. You know, most of the firms were overseas. We didn't have a, a professional team like we do now. So, yeah.
0: Because, yeah. I mean, that was kind of your, your lifelong, like, childhood childhood dream was to mm-hmm. play professionally, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, my mom wore tests that I had this like pyramid from a very young age with like playing for New Zealand and playing for yeah. professionally, um, it was at the top. So yeah, I knew I always wanted to do it. It was just, I guess you have to tackle different obstacles as you pursue that kind of dream. Right.
0: So, yeah, I mean, like talking to that, like what, what was it like? So as a kid, you played with boys until you were 12. I did as well, which is, Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. But what was the, like the work required in order for you to go, you know, from that to playing overseas, to being on the ferns? Like, I guess just, I'd like to hear you speak to what it takes, I guess, you know, to to play at that level and and work for your whole life, basically.
1: Yeah, I think for me as a kid, I was well. I I know I was very involved with like a, several sports, so I was always very busy. I did swimming and football up until fourteen, and then I had to kind of choose um, one. And for me, it was very easy. Swimming mm-hmm. lengths of a pool got very grim at the end, so it wasn't <laughs> a hard decision, but. Yeah, I also dabbled in like athletics track, like my, my childhood was very busy. I was very fortunate to be able to partake in in many sports, but I guess when it probably started to get quite real for me was when I started being involved in the kind of NZ setups. So I think I was about 15 when we started having camps for age group. And I guess that was when I kind of started realizing, oh, like I could play for New Zealand, like this could be my first opportunity. Um, and I actually had a couple of setbacks with that. Like I didn't get selected for a couple of camps and when you're a kid, like that's quite disheartening. I think yeah. I took it way, way too strongly. And when I look back on it, but when you're that young, like everything's so real and so intense and I had a very good support system around me. I had a couple of coaches that I pay homage to a lot and Tim Bush mm. and Mike DeBono, they saw kind of a lot in me from a very young age. And they, we did extra sessions, like in the morning, my mom um, is probably my rock. She drove drove me and, and did everything for me from a very young age. Um, so yeah, I would do extra sessions in the morning, after school, like wherever I could, up until I probably made that squad um, for the under-17s. And even then, like a large chunk of it was based in Auckland, so I would travel Um, most weeks on a Friday evening up to Auckland after school to partake in in a training and then kind of a training match um, on the same day. And then I would come back down on the Sunday for school again on the Monday. So my life was very different in my high school years. I had to say no to a lot of things with my friends. I had a big friends group, but I've always been quite the kind of individual one. I'm quite, yeah, yeah, I like to keep to myself, but I did have a big group and they kind of got used to me saying, "Oh, I can't." Like I've got football, <laughs> right. you know. It's yeah. kind of just the thing that you have to do. Um, mm-hmm. And it helped that like I was out of the city, so it wasn't like I was training in Christchurch. But yeah, mm-hmm. I did that up until I moved after high school, and then yeah, I was involved in what was the development program up there at the time um, before this whole Phoenix program came around in recent years and. Yeah, when i outgrew that um those were daily sessions we would sometimes have two i yeah like i alluded to earlier I made, made the jump overseas and then was in a full-time professional environment um training with the german club we trained yeah in the evenings there so i would gym during during the day and then make my way to training and then yeah full bundesliga season would roll around they're usually from like july till. May, June. So I've been partaking in full European seasons for nearly six years now. So oh, man.
0: that's a lot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's
0: a lot of football yeah. playing. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: a lot of football.
0: Um, so going back to, you know, you not making, you know, some of the trials and, and stuff like that um, mm-hmm. in your younger days, how did that like affect your confidence and how are you able to you know, I guess maintain confidence if you were able to maintain it. Cause I know like a lot of girls are going through, you know, here in the States, it's like a mm-hmm. lot of tryouts are going on yeah. right now, you know, mm-hmm. around this time of year. Um, so yeah, I'd love to just hear kind of what, what your confidence looked like after that, if it did mm-hmm. dip and how you kind of recovered from that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I said, I think I took it quite strongly, like not being selected and it was really upsetting like at the time, i wanted to really make that world cup that under 17 world cup in azerbaijan at 2012 i believe it was and so to not make a, a camp you kind of thought like oh that's it like i'm not going to make that world cup mm-hmm. um and so yeah i really lent on my support systems my family the coaching uh staff that i had was available what was available to me and yeah we made a plan and like I said I did extra trainings and and kind of I guess looking back on it now like I took control of what I could control but I think maybe at that age I didn't really know what that meant I was just kind of like I have to do more football I have to do more trainings (laughs) like I need to and mum kind of helped put all my ducks in a row essentially but like nowadays when I look back on it I definitely kind of yeah, my mom helped me control what I could control. And that essentially was me and what I was doing. And so I can control my fitness and I can control how much time I had on the ball. And so mom would be timing me at the park <laughs> doing my <laughs> shuttles. And then yeah, the, the coaches would put on the extra sessions for me. And that's what I did. Um, got back into the camps and then was present at everyone following that. So. Yeah, Yeah, it definitely was, I definitely have a strong, strong head on me. Again, Mm -hmm. my mom more to that I'm going to bring her up a lot in this conversation, I think. But yeah, I, I, when I want something, I'll, I'll do everything I can to make sure I'm in, if I'm not selected, at least I was in the best kind of shape holistically that I could be.
0: So, yeah, no, I mean, that's what I was kind of going to ask was like, you know, because a lot of, a lot of girls, it's like, there's a difference between the ones that really want it and will go train and and their parents will come, but it's because the, they want to train Mm -hmm. versus where it's like the parent being like, Hey, you need to train, like, let's go out and train. But for you, it sounds like you were the one that instigated and your mom was like, just did everything she could to support you in that. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And again, I was very fortunate to, to have her in my corner. And I think like knowing I'm from New Zealand, I know it's a little bit different than America. And I know the, the pools of players are a lot larger and things like that are, are a lot more challenging. So yeah, I guess my message would be just to try focus on like what you can control. And at the end of the day, that's all you can really do. Um, awesome. Not looking outside your bubble, essentially, when you start comparing yourself to others on the field, like you're not going to get anywhere so especially at that age it's just really yeah focusing what you can control and then you know it is a team game so then when you are in a a group session it's how are you integrating with all the other girls or boys on your team like or just players in general um yeah
0: yeah did you ever because i know comparison is like such a huge thing um Mm -hmm. especially like now with social media and like for me I didn't when I was playing in my youth days there wasn't social media so no me neither you know so you could only Mm -hmm. compare yourself to like who was directly in front of you but now yeah you can literally compare yourself to like millions of people yeah did you ever struggle like with comparison with your teammates or with your competitors at all like growing up or even like now
1: I think yeah I think absolutely I think it's part of the the parcel sometimes especially with team sports it's it's kind of an inevitable and when I start recognizing kind of that kind of pattern, I, I, I'm very aware of it now so I can kind of check myself and be like, that's not going to serve you whatsoever. Um, but I think like when I was younger and like you've just alluded to, we didn't have access to, I didn't have a cell phone until I was God knows how age. My my sister and I <laughs> shared a brick. So we didn't yeah. have access to Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or all this like some would say nonsense these days and I feel grateful for that because oh, me too. Yeah. it scares me sometimes what's out there. So I guess that's why I also want to have this conversation with you today is because I think what you're trying to do is awesome. And so if I can play my part in, in influencing someone through your platform, that's pretty awesome. But yeah, social media can be pretty scary these days. And I even find myself needing to take breaks from it um, because it can be quite Unhealthy and in yeah. the footballing world, quite quite nasty as well.
0: What I'm, I'm glad you brought up the well, I guess I kind of brought up the social media thing, and you ran you <laughs> with it. But I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about it a little bit, and I do talk about it a lot because it is, like you yeah. said, it can be it can be like really dangerous and really toxic. So for you, mm-hmm. you said that you sometimes have to take you know a step away. What is what are, what are your like social media? breaks look like? And like, how Mm -hmm. do you recognize? Oh, maybe I need to take a little bit of a break.
1: Yeah, I think, for me, sometimes I still don't notice the patterns early enough. I think when I'm in a good headspace, I do. But when things are a little bit tough, I think sometimes it's very easy to just lie on my bed after a day of training and just be like scrolling. And when I'm in a good headspace, I can really kind of identify, identify, oh, I'm mindlessly scrolling here. Like, what am I even, I'm not even paying attention most of the time to what I'm even looking right. at, um, but obviously subconsciously you are. So for me, it's just, yeah. If I need to take a period of time off, I either put on like the do, I don't even know what the feature is called off the top of my head, but you can screen yeah, time. Uh, I turn on the screen time, time function. Yeah. So I make sure that it's not the first thing I look at in the morning, so It's turned off from like 8 p.m. until midday um, unless I need to go on there for work or something or some business thing. But most of the time I'm, I'm trying to stay off till midday and that's usually till after I'm finished training anyway. So I find that's quite good for me. I'm not, you know, faced with a lot of the stuff that might be on there in the morning when my brain's still waking up. I find that quite beneficial. And then also at the end of the night. I don't need to be like scrolling on TikTok or Instagram at 9 PM before I'm sleeping. Cause that's not beneficial either. Yeah. But uh, I guess also from like, a, if I'm having a tough time, yeah. On or off the field, like I just am like, social media is not it for me right now. And I guess that's where my inward focus comes in. It's like that external kind of presence is not going to help me in any way. So let's just shut that off and really, you know, go inward and, see what I need to be doing and yeah, kind of navigate it that way. But I I'm getting better with the social media side of it. I, I also know that I can have kind of positive impact on social media through sharing, um, my life and my experiences. Um, so I kind of, I try, I'm trying to find a happy medium. I don't always do it right. Um, I'm definitely back on social media now at present time and so far it's okay, but, yeah, it's it's for me. It's finding that that kind of balance of being able to help others um, and show the positivity, but also the realness. And, and yeah. I'm always very conscious of being quite open and honest. And then, yeah, if it's not working for me, then I just have to go off it. Essentially.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's huge. Like, just it's so simple. And I think the biggest thing that especially teenagers could do is like not look at your phone. Right in the morning, because that's when you're like, if you look at it right in the morning, like immediate stress throughout the day. Mm
1: -hmm. So it's really cool to hear
0: that you, you don't check it, you know, until after your training so that you're probably much more clear headed Uh for your training sessions and you probably perform better physically and mentally. Um, and then like at night, like there's so many times I ask my girls, like, you know, what time do you go to bed? Okay. What are you doing before you go to bed? It's like, oh, I'm sitting on TikTok. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like that's huge red flag. Um, so I think just having boundaries around it Mm -hmm. because our phones, like they're addictive. They're meant to be addictive. Social media is meant to be addictive. So it's like, we kind of have to create these hard and fast rules, um, Mm -hmm. around when I use them, when I don't use them. Um, and that way I think, you know, like you said, when you are, in not a great you know headspace, you recognize that and you realize that oh, social media or my phone isn't going to solve or fix how I'm feeling right now. Yeah, and, and instead you go inward. So
1: mm-hmm. I just and to nine times that. out of ten, like social media is not going to fix. Oh no! You, you know? So like Never. it's it's kind of yeah. I I think yeah for me I it's sometimes you have to make those boundaries quite like hard and be like, I just have to go off it completely because I'm religiously going on it right now. And then I kind of integrate it back into my life and make sure that I'm not abusing it essentially for my mental health. So it's about finding what works for you. And I'm still trying to navigate that myself. (laughs) Me too. It it takes takes a lot of experiments.
0: I mean, I I go through phases too, where I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm on it way too much. And then times where I can, really like you know be off of it without much much struggle but i think it's important to realize that like i think a lot of people struggle with it and it's it's Mm -hmm. okay but just having like you said having the awareness and kind of like going inward so that you can use it um in a more healthy way Mm -hmm. as opposed to using it just to you know numb whatever's going on in your life
1: yeah i think what i've i've also found like as a female footballer a lot of the time, like we use it as an additional form of business. And so that's where I've also struggled with, with it as well is because I have obligations to certain brands that I might be working with at the time, or I need to make, you know, an appearance or something like that. And, and that's challenging because I've often gone to, to an appearance and yet yeah, they're like, Oh, we'll take you in this and you can reshare on your story. And I'd be like, Oh. I'm, I'm not on social media right now. (laughs) Really sorry. But most of the time they like understand, but it's, Mm. if I've set myself like a strict rule of, I'm not going to go on it for two weeks or a month, if that's what I'm doing. Like I try not to break that either because then even though I might be in situations where I might be forced to, but so far I haven't struck any problems with it. So that's good. But I have found like that in itself is also another kind of tricky obstacle to navigate because yeah a lot of female footballers get revenue or kind of exposure through social media so that can be a bit of a challenge
0: yeah it can definitely be a challenge if you you know for me it's a challenge because if I if I didn't have my business I, I probably wouldn't be on social media but it's like mm-hmm. I want to share I want to you know put some some good out into the world but yeah again it's just like finding that balance and, Mm -hmm. and it, and it takes a lot of awareness and perspective to do that. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so you talked about with social media, like you do use it as a platform to, you know, share positive things and, you know, your experience and just like empowerment, um, especially in like the LGBTQ community. Um, so for you, it's like, I feel like you are a great example of someone who is true to who you are, you don't try to be anybody else. Um, and I, and I love, I love that about you, which is, I think what kind of drew me to you. So, um, I guess what, what advice do you have for girls, um, who are kind of navigating the like, who am I and how do I, how do I like be my true self without like, you know, like because belonging is such a huge thing. So I just love to hear kind of like, I guess your experience with, um, you know, just being true to who, who you are and then any advice for, for girls that are kind of navigating that as well.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, firstly, thank you so much. Those are really kind words, but I think it's, it hasn't been an easy journey. Uh, not yeah, whatsoever. I, again, had very supportive, um, people in my corner who have been with me every step of the way. And yeah, I, I guess I came out quite young to my family. It's probably, yeah, it's 10 years ago now. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, where my journey began. And I, yeah, I thank football a lot when I've asked, I'm asked this question because I, it's been a massive kind of platform for me to express myself and be true to who I am. I think it's, um, not uncommon knowledge that it's a very safe space for the for, for members of the LGBTQ plus community um to to be expressive to be true to who they are and i know it's it's still got a a long way to go both on the female side and even more so significantly on on the male side and then across the whole spectrum in general so yeah it's it's been a tough journey but i think for me it's yeah i am now in a place where i'm a hundred percent kind of set in who I am and how I identify. And that's why I I am so open on, on my Mm -hmm. platforms and, and and then interviews that I have, because I'm a firm believer if I can help at least one individual by sharing my story and being true to myself, then maybe that might, you know, help them, um, be true to themselves. And I know everybody's journey is different, but I think, yeah. It, it's just kind of trying to help foster an environment for those, you know, in my circle and in your circle and in mm-hmm. footballing community as a whole to just be, tr- be able to be true to who, who they are. And yeah, I know football has done a lot for me um, in that yeah. aspect.
0: Yeah. I mean, me too. Just, yeah. And the whole athletics in general, it was a, definitely yeah. a safe space for me. Um, And yeah, same for me. I came out when I was, I think, in college. Um, And I had, you know, and I was also in like a very religious town, the Mm -hmm. school that I was, most of the girls were you know, really religious, but I had a, a great experience with my teammates and my coaches. And, awesome. um, so yeah, for me too, it was like soccer or football, we'll say. I I want to, I want to say football as much <laughs> as I can because it should be football. Uh. Um, it's, it, yeah, it, it was a, it was a safe space for me too. And yeah, I think it's awesome. Like for people like you, you know, professional footballers and just professional athletes in general who do use, you know, their platform to, to use your voice and to, you know, it's kind of like you're giving other, other girls like a permission slip, like, Hey, you, you can, you can fully be yourself and you'll Mm -hmm. still be loved. Like Mm -hmm. no matter what, I think that's so incredibly powerful.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, I think sport, I guess we could just broadly speaking, but obviously I've been present in the footballing community Like, I don't know how it would have gone if I didn't have sport. I think I'm fully aware that everybody, again, isn't as fortunate as I am to have a supportive network around them in these instances. And yeah, I think my advice to them is just try to find a, a safe network of people. And, you know, it's not always blood. It's sometimes, you know, the people that you've met along the way and just really kind of i guess leaning on them and using them um and then yeah using the communities you're in i think those sometimes are where you know people sense or get the most kind of support from it's for me it's been football and my family um the girls that i've met the teams that i've played on i've all i've always felt welcomed and yeah I think it's largely communities that you're a part of and try, I guess trying to find, you know, other communities outside of sport, if you're not into sport that, you know, can support you and foster an environment for you to be true to who you are.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably one of the biggest things is, you know, especially for a teenager, whether you're, whether you're gay or not, like, having yeah. <laughs> a, you know, like having a, a community, like you said, it, it's maybe, maybe it's not always blood, like it mm-hmm. very well might, may likely be blood, but mm-hmm. maybe it's your teammates. Maybe it's some, some other uh, group at school. Maybe it's some, some yeah. teachers, a counselor, like, you know, stuff like that. But I think finding a, a community of people that like love you just for you and and love you at your core, I think is like such a key thing, especially for, you know, a teenage girl with all Mm -hmm. these crazy external influences that they have, you know, going in their ears.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like speaking of external resources, I think that's when social media is pretty cool these days. Like it's so much easier to maybe connect with other communities or groups online or, you know you don't have to be in in your state for example where you're from or like from new zealand for me like you can find people wherever you are and it's so easy like we've seen through the tough periods of COVID, like for people to interact and kind of still stay connected um mm-hmm. so i think that's a very positive aspect of social media but yeah yeah,
0: yeah. I, I mean people like people can for, use yeah. that more. Absolutely. Like for anyone Mm -hmm. listening, like they could send me a DM, and I'm I'm gonna respond. Yeah, same. You know, like any girl DMs me if it's some weird creepy dude, I'm not gonna respond. You (laughs) know, if it's like a delete, no. Yeah. But if it's like a girl that that like sends me a DM, like I'm I'm gonna respond every single time. And so having, you know, just knowing that you have you know people like that, uh, or that you could have people like that, Mm -hmm. you know, in your circle is is. very, very, you know, strong benefit of social media. So I'm glad you brought that up too. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I want to kind of shift gears a little bit, um, and talk a little, let's go a little bit more to the sports side. So Mm -hmm. you, you tore your Achilles in 2019,
1: 2019. Yeah. Oh, I got
0: it right. Yes. (laughs) So that's like, that's a big time injury. So, um, where, what were you doing during that time? Mm -hmm. Um, like what teams and stuff like that. And then what was it just like the feelings and the emotions? Cause it was right before the world cup, right? Yeah,
1: correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll obviously, that yeah, it was a few yeah, few years ago now. Um, but I was in my second year of playing in Germany. I was at MS Duisburg, So still in the Northwest of Germany, still playing in the Bundesliga. Um, had a really good season with them. Um, and then we traveled well we met up for the ferns because it was the you know a couple of months out from the world cup um and we had assembled in france and we were three days out from our first game against the netherlands and we had warmed up and then we'd done like a passing drill and everything was fine like nothing that i would think was wrong and then we had to like reprime for some sprints and i went to do like a high skip And we had to do like three high skips and then a burst of pace. And on like the third high skip, I went up and I just like, yeah, heard a bang. I thought someone, the girl behind me had kicked me, um, but no, I had ruptured my left Achilles, um, pretty easy diagnosis, like pitch side um a lot I think more clearer than an ACL sometimes it's yeah you just flip the person on their stomach essentially and then you kind of squeeze their calf if the calf like pulls the foot back up then your Achilles is fine but my foot stayed (laughs) completely still so complete rupture um yeah and yeah first major injury so kind of was hit with a lot of emotion instantly eve of my second senior world cup um was definitely in a much better position than the first i was a baby in canada so i was kind of along okay. for the ride and the learning experiences but i think i was definitely in the like mixed for you know selection for the for game time i'd had like i said a really good season so i was feeling good feeling fit um and yeah i remember just like crying and not really knowing what was going on cuz I think for, for female athletes, you always just think ACL, you know, like I think I've had in the back of my head that the potential for that to happen is quite high and it's just the nature of the game and our bodies and it's all too frequent. So I just, yeah, you just always think that, but never Achilles. And I didn't really know what that entailed. I didn't know how long. Um, and I just remember like the doctor taking me inside and asking if I could borrow her phone so I could ring my mum because they were supposed to fly out that day to France, um, to meet up for the games. And I rang her and I was like, don't come. Like I ruptured my Achilles. I don't know what that means, but it's not good. Like my world cup's done. And she was like, no, we're going to be there. We'll see you at the hospital whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. like just take care of you, folks on you. And yeah, like long story short, I look back on it. Gratefully, I was in very good hands. Like the world cup, there's FIFA created surgeons. Like mm-hmm. I had operation within three days. So I had the operation the day of our first game. Um, I remember like waking up in the operation room and I think 20 minutes later, like my family were there. So It all happened quite seamlessly and they put the game on, but I don't remember half of it. Like I was (laughs) on some kind of tough medication, but yeah, it, 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 it couldn't have gone any better for me in regards to the treatment that I got and the care that I got and how quickly everything happened. I still this day have the surgeon's contacts. He sometimes randomly messages me before a tournament, like asking how I'm going and, Yeah, he was great. Like, I don't think he spoke much English. So, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: yeah, I was in very good hands. Um, very fortunate happened very quickly. And then I guess the most grueling part of it was when I, the, the world cup kind of came to an end. I stayed for the games. That was pretty tough. Um, I wanted to stay in the environment and the girls wanted me to stay and the coach wanted me to, to be a part of it all. But it was pretty tough like to stand in the sands and yeah I had the cast on and I was still in a lot of pain and it was just a very kind of weird time um and then I had maybe a week with my family before we flew back to New Zealand um and again they had already organized for me to start my rehab with high performance sport which is like yeah the governing sport body in New Zealand again very high professional care. I was in Mm. best hands. I was able to stay at home. Um, and yeah, I got treated by my physio Tamsin. She was my, my light and savior, um, through it all. And yeah, but long story short, again, very grueling rehab. Um, I essentially had to learn to walk again. Um, it was very odd. I was in a cast for six weeks. So you can imagine the size of like my calf when I took that off. It was like the size of my (laughs) wrist. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you just have to like regain length in your Achilles again. So you're, they put you in a cast, Mm -hmm. like your foot's pointed down. So the tension's off. So I had to like gradually bring that back and that pain was incremental and excruciating. Yeah. One of the most grueling rehabilitations I've heard of, um, I would never want to go through any of them, but it it was extremely tough. um I think yeah. any big injury always is, but you know you you learn from it, you grow through it, and I look back on it on yeah good good memories because I came out better because of it. That's what yeah. you put it. I think most injuries you do you know Absolutely. you learn about yourself, I think for me. I was faced with the brick wall of what am I outside of football. It was kind of the first time I would had an extended period off the field and I completely had an identity crisis. I absolutely had to work with mental coaches and psychologists in New Zealand because I just did not know who I was outside of football. And I wouldn't have been propelled into that kind of space had I not had that injury because I'd been football, football, yeah. football my whole life um and yeah so that kind of ability for me to grow yeah in that space i thank the injury for that because i wouldn't have done it otherwise yeah
0: i mean i was literally gonna ask you like i because I, I believe that every you know obstacle mm-hmm. in life is just a, a way for you to grow there's always something good that can yeah. come out of it and and you just answered that question like it allowed you to take a look at who is Michaela outside Mm -hmm. of football Um, because I think, you know, I had that, that crisis too, during my injuries, but I was 12. So it was completely Mm -hmm. different. And then, you know, like when you're done playing. um, So I think that a lot of high level athletes, if not every Mm -hmm. high level athlete and even like college athlete, high school athletes go through this kind of identity crisis, um, whether it's retirement or injury. So that was cool that you were able to, you know, have that space for you to work with, you know, mm-hmm. um psychologists and stuff to be able to kind of figure that out and probably became a better athlete and just a more well-rounded person in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I definitely came out the other side, a better human being, like ultimately. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it was like still grueling and <laughs> yeah. the girls that I've gone through or just any people in general, like injuries twice, three times to that magnitude, I'm like, because it's it, it's a real test of character it's a real That's test so of mental strength and yeah you can say like it's part of sport which it is but still doesn't make it fun so <laughs> but yeah I like I was very fortunate to undertake all of that back home and be with my family and yeah yeah be able to have that love and support by me because I definitely need to the-
0: for sure i mean like mm-hmm. yeah you've you've gone through like we'll we'll talk about one more not so fun thing and then we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll get into the fun of the future but like mm-hmm. so you had that and then in 2020 was it last year 2022 mm-hmm. like um the she believes cup um versus usa you had the the own goal game yeah so i know this is not fun to talk about mm-hmm. um but i would love to just hear um, a little bit about how you recovered, um, from that game. And that was probably, I mean, I would guess probably the worst you've ever felt in a game, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to just hear, cause I think a lot of girls can benefit from, you know, hearing going from like the worst, you know, Mormon in your moment in your sports to how to recover from that, you know, at that, at that level. So go ahead mm-hmm. and just kind of talk about, you know, what that was like and, um, how you recovered after that game and, and lessons you learned along the way
1: yeah so that was probably one of the most yeah toughest moments of my career today that takes the cake over the achilles if i'm being honest um yeah i will be completely transparent it was a nightmare um uh, it still to this day is impactful on me um, it's a constant challenge, especially when things aren't maybe going my way football wise, but yeah, I think when I look back on it, it was very difficult to navigate because it wasn't like a football injury that you can kind of, you, you've seen other people go through it and you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel and yeah, you're not alone, but yeah, that to my knowledge has not happened (laughs) before, maybe years ago in the, yeah, men's game. But to be known for that is, is still upsetting. It was a day that kind of many people have told me is a series of unfortunate events. Um, I don't really know how else to kind of put it. Um. Yeah, it happened and it was very, very tough to come out the other side. Fortunately, at the time I had already had a therapist that I was working with, um, Mm -hmm. on a weekly basis for other, other external kind of, uh, factors that I was navigating. Um, Mm -hmm. and so he was instantly, um, on my phone. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember like going back to the changing room and very, being very numb at halftime. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to go back out on the field, um, but I know knew that I kind of had to. But at the time, Abby Ersig was right there. Um, she obviously wasn't partaking in that game either due to the injury. But, um, yeah, she kind of told me that, Like it's not going to define me and that the best thing I can do right now is to put on a brave face and yeah, yeah, go out there and continue to support the girls. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's what I did with like really red puffy face, kind of head down Mm -hmm. (laughs) thing. I guess in the hours that followed, I immediately, once I got a hold of my phone, deleted every single app. I was not going to get on that at all yeah. had i not been in therapy prior to that i might have gone on but i was really already dealing with um personal issues so yeah i guess i had a little bit of else about me to not jump on um i rang my mom that conversation was just a lot of her telling me how much she loves me and me mm-hmm. crying my eyes out and then yeah, I was in regular talks with my therapist throughout the rest of that campaign or that tour for us. Um, it was just about trying to navigate it, which both of us didn't really know how to do. We just Mm -hmm. had to take it day by day essentially because yeah, that was on territory and yeah, it still is something that I have to work on. I think, the biggest thing that I was able to transfer from my injury to that moment was that football is something I do. It's not who I am. Had I not had the Achilles injury, I don't know if I would have been able to tackle that huge mountain that I'd just been put in front of me. But I think that is a constant reminder that I have to tell myself, even to this day, That football is something I do. It's not who I am in that game. Um, I could let define me or not. Um, Yeah, Yeah. it's still something I work on. I think (laughs) the support I had from the NZ coach was phenomenal. I I set foot on the field again in that tournament for like three minutes against Czech Republic. Um, She didn't have to do that. We were. I think we ended up drawing that game, um, but she trusted me enough to put me back on the field. And yeah. those three minutes of football were immensely powerful to me for a multitude yeah. of reasons. Um, the obvious that you know she trusted me enough to keep a keep, help leave a clean sheet for the yeah. team um, in that in that tournament and. Yeah, I guess it's just a daily thing that I have to kind of navigate coming back on social media after months, there was a lot of stuff that I had to Mm -hmm. navigate. Um, Mm -hmm. still to this day, I get stuff. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. for the rest of my career, I probably will, it's posted everywhere. So Mm -hmm. it's just that constant reminder of football is something I do. It's not who I am and yeah. I want to say I'm fine with it, but I still am not. Like stuff happens in training and it's like the first thing that pops in my head. Stuff happens in the game. I make a mistake. It's the first thing that pops into my head. It's, it's just going to be a process for me of continuing to use the tools that I've garnered from the therapist and putting them into action when, when stuff happens and I'm definitely at a much better place than I was. um, Again, when I'm having a bit of a tough time, it's more frequent if like I make a bad pass or like right. I've still, you know, stuff happens in game in trainings all the time. So it's yeah, it's just navigating it as I cross it. But it was definitely a period of my life that I look back on and unlike yeah. the injury don't wish happened, but Right. No <laughs> it's I mean, happened I, and yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm I appreciate you talking about it. I know it's not something that you 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 know talk about with with a lot of people so i appreciate no. you you know being vulnerable and and sharing mm-hmm. that um and just so you know honestly i did not like i don't know how i did not know that about you until i did my research before okay. this podcast okay like I, I i really didn't know that like when yeah. i followed you and when i reached out to you i honestly didn't know that mm-hmm. um and i saw that and i was like wait is it is that true I, So I don't think it defines you. Yeah, um, you know, and and you know that it doesn't define you. Mm -hmm. um, But yeah, I just appreciate you sharing
1: that um, because it's you know like
0: it's 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 true. Like it's
1: life, you know. Like it happens. Yeah, it's life. I think, like I said to you before, especially when I'm interviews now in interviews now. Sorry especially with the hype of like the world cup at home, like when we've been on home soil, it's the first thing that people ask me or want Mm. to ask me. And I'm Mm. like to our media officer now, like I won't talk about it. It's I have talked about it. It's been and gone. I went back to LA and we had a great tour there and I scored a penalty goal. And I felt like I left LA with demons like released and yeah, even though it still impacts me, I use that as fuel to be like, okay, well, you still need to work on this because it flares up sometimes, but you have the tools to do that. Whereas. Yeah. yeah, When people are asking me to talk about it now, I'm like, no, like that happened. I've addressed it. I am who I am. Football is something I do. Um, but feel free to ask me anything else, but I will not be touching that. But obviously with Mm -hmm. you, I was quite happily. To do so, I think this is a safe space, and again, if it helps, mm. you know anybody who yeah. listens to it, watches it, um, then I've done something good. So no, yeah, I think my I'm privilege. Rolling.
0: Like for me, it's like thinking, okay, what what is, what in my life has happened like that? And for me, it's kind of like that recurring thing that will pop up is like anxiety for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. It's like I'll have really really good periods of it, and then mm-hmm. I'll have one you know bad experience and it'll flare up and then the next month or two it's like just kind of there like even for me this last year um coming back from Hawaii like I got really anxious and then Mm -hmm. like that whole month after it was like it was it was really tough for me so I think that there's always stuff in in people's lives where it's anxiety or depression or just Absolutely. you know a bad a, a couple of bad moments like you had yeah. where it's kind of just that thing that that bubbles up you know mm-hmm. in life and it's important like you said that you have you know a therapist you have a strong community for people you mm-hmm. know that that love you and and the most important thing i think is that you know that football is what you do not who you are and yeah. you are strong in who you are and you know who you are and you're not going to change who you are
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think just like to carry on with what you are saying, like, I think a lot of people try to get to this like steady plane of like good. I'm going to say the word goodness, even though that probably (laughs) doesn't work right now, but like, that's not how life works whatsoever. And I think the places you learn most about yourself is when it's like in the pits and you really have to like be face in the mirror and be like, okay, what am I going to do about this? Um, and I appreciate that sometimes people get into places where they need to, you know, have that external help and love. And I just hope that they have those in place. And if not, someone is able to see that and help them. And I think that's why I wanted to come and speak with you today is because I know I have a platform to help and maybe people don't know or, you know, maybe I come across their feed or something. I don't know. You know, sometimes it's like that one in a Lifetime kind of moments that you see something you're like oh that's like ch- gonna help me or I see so- even if I'm seeing stuff in the street you know it's it's little things like that and I, yeah for me it's just that constant reminder of life is like a roller coaster it's full of ups and downs as cliches as it is, but it's the truth mm-hmm. and we just have to navigate it as best we can with the love and people around us and it's about yeah, leaning it... on them too
0: yeah. Yeah, I think I think we're all guilty of thinking, oh, when when this happens,
1: like, yeah, you know, I'm going to stay there. And, <laughs> it's never know, smooth like, sailing. I will put my hand up and say I've never had smooth sailing for a long period of time. Yeah, it's like maybe a
0: couple months. It's like you're you're in a groove. Everything mm. is good, but it's like, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's and, and how boring would life be? And you wouldn't really grow very much if you no. didn't have these dips and these pits, like you said, because those are the those are the things that that help you to grow and get better and and learn so it's like we we have to uh obviously they suck but we have to kind of welcome those and Mm -hmm. and find the silver lining and all of those those down moments because you're gonna have plenty of them so might as well make the best of them
1: absolutely absolutely yeah (laughs) nice
0: so let's let's move on i know we're getting close on time here but the world cup is coming up in mm-hmm. in just a couple months and the coolest thing is that it's on your home soil mm-hmm. you know i know it's new zealand and australia but like how excited are you
1: uh
0: for the world cup and specifically you know it being in in your home country
1: yeah i'm every time I, i'm asked with this question it's kind of hard to put into words i think again, like as a kid, I always wanted to play for New Zealand and to play at a pinnacle event, but to have it on home soil, um, it's kind of what dreams are made of, I guess, like you never, I could have never wished for anything better. And I guess for me too, it's like third time lucky, um, obviously with the injury and, and being really young the first time. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, when we talk about things that like I can control it's you know at the start of this this conversation I'm I'm focusing daily on what I can do to to make sure that I'm in the best place um, physically mentally emotionally for that games sometimes it's kind of hard to comprehend the enormity of it all um like even as a footballer so I have no idea what New Zealanders are thinking I don't think they know <laughs> the extent or the scale yeah. of this tournament. Um, if, if the 2019 world cup and the euros are anything to go by and the way the, the women's you know, footballing community is growing and expanding at such a rapid rate, like this world cup, um, is going to be phenomenal. And I'm so excited to have people like come to my part of the world, Australia too. Um, even though they're our biggest rivals. But I know that both <laughs> countries will put on a World Cup to remember and I know it's really far for most people, but trust me, it'll <laughs> yeah. be absolutely worth it if you do make the journey.
0: <laughs> and I've heard absolutely like amazing things about New Zealand and mm-hmm. just how gorgeous it is. Like I'm a yeah. huge outdoors person, so I'm like yeah. I would love to just go there and go to some games and then, like, yeah, go explore. <laughs> like, that'd be so cool.
1: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. We're known for that. Uh, the yeah. outdoorsy stuff is, is a big bonus of that country, for sure. Australia, too, except we just don't have yeah. creepy crawlies, so I'm creep- a little bit What, what, what do
0: you What's the creep... Just bugs in general? Yeah, bugs, like crawlies. spiders, okay. snakes, crocodiles. We don't have those. No,
1: we don't have snakes. Really? We have spiders, but, like, not to the extent that Australia has. Nothing that's going to like, not, brings no, brings over. yeah, no, well, our biosecurity is very intense, so <laughs> it's a little bit tricky for that to happen, but, um, yeah, ours is much safer. We don't have those oh. little, yeah. Good to know. Uh huh.
0: So, yeah, I mean, if I was going, I would go to New Zealand because I'd rather go to New Zealand than Australia. Yeah.
1: Especially I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, problems. like, I don't want to get a uh, hate from the Australians, but... <laughs> Australia is also a beautiful place but I have to like reside with my home so oh absolutely,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah it's all it's all love but we just love our yeah. home soil a little bit more oh
1: like. of course we do I think like the cultural aspect as well like obviously like the U.S. are playing New Zealand so I know a lot of Americans will be making the trip over um so I'm I'm excited to see kind of that interaction from fans and yeah I know we're going to put on a display that's, that's going to wow everybody. So I'm very, very excited about the whole, whole campaign.
0: Yeah. So when do you guys, you know, I know you're in the UK right now. Mm-hmm. So when does like, I guess training camp start over there? Like when does, I know you guys are already doing training camps and stuff, but when do you guys actually go over there and what does that preparation look like?
1: Yeah. So for me, I'm here until end of May. So my last game's hopefully the 28th of May um then we've been advised like to take 10 or so days off just we'll keep training like in our own environments but just externally removed from a footballing environment because i've been going since you know july so any kind of players that are in the uk or europe that are finishing like start of june end of may will take some time off um off still running (laughs) but um yeah, those that are not in season currently, I think we're starting training, like, May, June. Um, awesome. And then I'll just meet up with them um, probably mid-June or early, late teens of June. And then, yeah, it'll be all we'll go from there, really. Yeah,
0: and then first match is July 20th against
1: 20th. yeah, correct. In Auckland at Eden Park, so...
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm a, i am have Norwegian roots. I'm oh, mostly, okay. mostly Norwegian, but cool. I'm not going for Norway. I'm absolutely going for the ferns.
1: Oh, I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> how can, how can I not? Like, I, I know right this after this conversation amazing convo with you, it's like, like you guys all the way, like if, if you guys play the U S mm. like it's, it's going to be a toss up. Like I, I might honestly, Sorry, US, but I might go for you guys because I like personally like I don't have any connections with the with any yeah. of the players on the US. So but well, I do I'll with gladly, him, and So we'll gladly
1: take an out of supporter. Yeah.
0: So to see you kick some ass would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> nice. Cool. So any um I guess what's the one thing? Last question here. Mm. What's the one thing that you are most looking looking forward to for the world cup just one single
1: thing oh that's tough that's why i asked it (laughs) (laughs) i think like i am i've been very fortunate fortunate to always have members of my family in the stands but to to put on the the fern shirt in new zealand in front of my family and the rest of aotearoa i think will be one of the moments that will like I'll carry with me for a lifetime. Like I, you can't write that as a young, you know, Kiwi girl growing up. I would have never in my years imagined that that could be a possibility at a senior world cup with the height of football at the moment, like that. I could, I will die very happy. (laughs) I just like,
0: I'm just like trying to, put myself in your shoes like yeah you know at the lineups and just like I'm like getting chills right now just thinking mm-hmm. about the the enormity and
1: the excitement of that of that no, honestly like I'm prepping mentally for that as like as we speak with with external you know psychologists and and, and uh, performance psychologists as well because the enormity of that game like I haven't yeah. really been exposed to that before because we rarely play at home. Uh, I have played obviously in big matches, fortunately, especially you know like in America, in Europe they usually get quite big crowds. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping that the Kiwis turn out in, in their masses. I know they will, but the normality of that opening match, you know, kickstarting a World Cup against Norway. Because it's you know, the first match, pressure, right? Yeah, opening match, yeah. I think yeah. there's one in Australia, like, maybe a little bit later on. But, yeah, the opening ceremony will be in New Zealand. Um, yeah, just everything around that. I, it's, I can't really put into words right now, so it's like. You can't. I need <laughs> to put on in a words. pressure cooker and, like, sort it out <laughs> and be able to <laughs> figure out how I'm going to react because, yeah, that's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of experience Absolutely. for sure.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably not going to be back in New Zealand while you're still. No, I don't think so. (laughs) I highly, highly doubt it. Yeah. Um, Can I ask you one more question that you kind of alluded to? So how you talked about, like, you're starting to mentally prepare, like in general, Mm -hmm. obviously that's like what I do. So I want to hear like from a professional footballer, how important is the mental preparation for you?
1: Yeah, it's immense. I mean, obviously, we've touched on a lot of things that I've been been through and, and, and through that I've had to, you know, garner a big tool belt in regards to to my mental space and how I operate both on and off the field. And, and for me now, it's also, okay, how can I use those tools of, you know, management, kind of zoning in? Um, I guess I use a lot of uh, meditation, a lot of, I'm gonna experience more with um visual, like kind of cues of, of the game and things like that. But for me, it's it's being ten foot tall, but being calm at the same time. That's kind of what I'm aiming for. I love so, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a little awesome. secret. But <laughs> there yeah, you go secret. Uh-huh.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing and. Um, thank you really for, for coming on. Like I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while now mm-hmm. and it totally exceeded my expectations. So I appreciate you coming on, sharing your experience, the good and the not so good. Cause I think mm-hmm. that it's going to help a lot of girls out there, not even girls, but you know, some of the parents listening yeah. as well. So thank you uh, for coming on. And if you would just share kind of where people can, you know, follow your journey in the world cup and, and, um, you know, connect with you if they want to connect with you
1: yeah for like personally, thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute privilege um but yeah i'm sure you'll like when you share this you'll just tag my handle but that's like the best i'm very active on instagram and i'm not sure if i'll be active on twitter throughout the campaign because it's that for me is uh, one of the apps that i struggle with the most but yeah definitely on instagram yeah it's it's a bit of a cesspit if i'm being honest but yeah <laughs> definitely instagram um and if you want to follow along our team it's i can send the nz football firms um or you probably can find it easy enough but those yeah. will probably be the two avenues um to follow awesome. along but yeah thank you so much for having yeah. me i've really enjoyed it yeah
0: thank you again for coming on we'll link it all up and make sure if you're listening to uh you know, go follow Michaela and Ferns, and let's let's give them some good energy heading into the World Cup. So much appreciated. Again, <laughs> no, and, uh, we'll catch you guys on next week's episode. Thank you.